0: Welcome to episode 409 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a grand conversation with director, writer, cabaret critic, and activist, among other things, straight out of Harlem, Jerry Geddes. We discuss the effect the pandemic has had on the club scene in New York City, its artists, writers, performers, audience members too, how important the arts are to society. We talk about several particular uh, artists and the cabaret scene, and uh, we talk about his memoirs some really poignant, interesting stories Uh, One about Carmen McRae, a grand conversation today with Jerry Geddes. We have an EW essay titled Melody, and our associate producer, Dr. Michael Previse, shares five jazz poems by the likes of poets such as E.E. Cummings, et al., and an EW poem called Umbrella. It's so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 409 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours.
1: I once loved a boy so smart and true. We would walk home. Every day from the school He'd say, I think we could walk forever Oh no, have a just a little while Okay, he would not make me laugh like the devil Ha ha, he would pick me up like the child That I was In my time I'd like to stay young forever light Eight tide the crisp bunny sunny weather may we fill these lungs with laughter ha, ha. and may we shake these bones with style Watch. and may we claim all that we're after different stations And some of them look the same But none of them smell the same And some of them will never change While some of them are growing strange And some of them are center stage While some of them don't turn my page And some of rain all of them are aboard my train, for all of them are a friend of mine, and oh, my darling, can't you see, oh, that they, oh, and you, are a part of me.
0: Melody sweet hearts and pop-tarts with households run amok. I know now that an abundance of inner strength and concomitant genuine warmth is necessary for one to be able to live healthy with others in this world. The walks down people-filled streets in and out of boutiques, bodegas, small grocery stores, tabacarias, coffee shops and cafes, delicatessens too. We need hardware more than software. The arts, of course, bring us together into other planes and depths of existence, conjuring and sustaining what we need from our minds and souls a poetry series with an upright bass following the melody of each reading, some gouache and watercolor hanging within simple frames on white walls of a gallery built from scratch by Pierre and Don Juan X, who fell in love the moment they first met. Side Street Theater productions of Nouveau Original Camp And three blocks away, a professionally positioned effort steeped in Sondheim. Late night, fueled by seltzer, organic juicers, beer and clear urban delight, with a few old souls clinging to vodka martinis or, perhaps, a white wine spritzer. And then, a bourbon-bated breath, with just a hint of regret, tells an intimate story on a cabaret stage just off the page. Those participating in the audience, packed tightly, feeling just right, are laughing, then crying, and singing inside, so whole and perfect, inspired in the nick of time.
2: into play we could use a holiday let's tear up the town tonight let's forget our daily sorrow as the night begins to shine we'll just sleep in late tomorrow our sanity suits and silken hose. Take a chance and see what grows. Let's tear up the town tonight. Let's try doing something rash. Turn it on and burn some cash. Bring a friend to join the bash. Let's tear up the town tonight. There's a place that's really hopping. I'm the one who'll take you there. Once you start, no time for stopping. Let it go. Let down your hair sadness here. Watch your troubles disappear. Once you breathe the atmosphere, tear up the town tonight. Bring along your broken hearts, tattered souls and worn-out parts. Sing along and see what starts. Tear up the town tonight. Music is the remedy for what ails both you and me. If good times are right within your Sit there waiting for action. Only you can find satisfaction. Take a chance and fire up the juices. Do it now. I'm tired of excuses. Tear up the tie.
3: Hello.
0: Hello. Jerry Geddes, is that you? That is me. Or that is I.
4: Grammatically correct.
0: Thank you for being grammatically correct <laughs> on Troubadours and Rock <laughs> uh, And Tours. Uh, and for those of you who have not uh, heard Jerry on the program before, you're in for a treat. He is a director, writer, cabaret critic, and activist who resides in Harlem, New York. He has conceived and directed a number of musical reviews, including the Bishro and Mac Award-winning Monday in the Dark with George and Put on Your Saturday Suit, words and music by Jimmy Webb. Jerry is also the director and host of Pangaea Restaurant and Cabaret's fabulous First Friday in Manhattan's East Village. He has directed many cabaret artists, including Broadway star Andre De Shields, Helen Baldessari, Darius Haas, and drag artist Julia Van Cartier. Jerry directed the David Drumgold Variety Show in residence at the Manhattan Movement and Arts Center and has produced a number of recordings, including two Bistro-winning CDs. He's taught vocal performance at the New School, NYU, and London's Goldsmiths College and continues to conduct private workshops and master classes, he recently completed a memoir about his life in New York City. Troubadours and Tours is very happy to have back on the program Jerry Geddes. All right. So, how's Good it going? Yeah. Uh, it's nice to have you back. <laughs> and uh, the pandemic, how's it been treating you?
4: Well, um, I've done none of the things you listed there <laughs> in the last year except for writing. Uh, because there's nothing happening so it's affected me and the city and cabaret and nightclubs and theater in the worst ways Uh, there's some glimmer of hope with some virtual things that are happening here and there I'm working on a couple at the moment and uh, my only hope for that is that the virtual aspect of it will make it available to and affordable to people who would not otherwise even know about cabaret in New York and perhaps will build an audience for the future once we're beginning to get back on our feet. So that's looking at the glass half full, at least.
0: Yeah, I, so. I guess you, you need to. And, and cabaret, yes. you know, you and I have, have talked about this before. Uh, cabaret is, is, a, is a very uh, necessarily so intimate sort of um, uh, milieu. And, and perhaps yes. the pandemic uh, or the aftermath of it, the psychology that will exist in people's minds uh, it, it will benefit that sort of milieu as compared to Broadway productions.
4: It's certainly possible the smallness of it and the, the um, controlled atmosphere of it would would lend itself to that, I think, yes. On the other hand, we're losing a lot of performers and creative people who are just not able to survive without having that as a source of income. So they're moving on to other things and who knows who will come back from that because people are going into real estate and medicine and um, hundred other areas that they hadn't thought of because they were pursuing careers in entertainment, but since that's not possible at the moment, a lot of people are giving up on it leaving the city there's a and not to mention the clubs having trouble surviving the performers are having trouble keeping up their artist artistic sides
0: yeah yeah definitely and and uh is it the culture where a lot of the performers that are doing bigger shows on Broadway and off Broadway will come down to a nice cabaret venue to um, really have some fun and to, and to also sort of work on their chops. Uh, That's certainly possible,
4: except it's, it it really is a, a different animal and not everyone makes an easy transition from being in theater and Broadway into cabaret because it's a, it requires a, a different skill set, somewhat, of of being that intimate and that naked on a stage in a small room. It's not the same as being in a big production with costumes and lights and sound and orchestras and cast and chorus and choreographers, etc., etc., etc. And so, it's it's not as appealing to some. It might be appealing to others, but it's not even at the best of times pre-pandemic. It's not a uh, uh, an area where people make a lot of money or make a living there's usually another job or career or uh, part-time work at least somewhere else to pay the rent while they're pursuing their artistic dreams and so that's not appealing to someone who's used to being in a broadway show for two or three years at a run and things like that so
0: well yeah that's what i figured i figured maybe yeah. you know they they like it because of the the intimacy so maybe that's yes. why they would stroll to the cabaret and, and, and hop on stage yes. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I never thought about that—the the the, the uh, charisma or lack thereof, perhaps uh, the uh, the skill set uh, maybe does not uh, sort of show itself in the same manner on a smaller stage as it does on the big stage. Maybe yeah. I don't
4: know. And also, performers can be wonderful in theater and not have much to say as an intimate, personal artist. Their their strength is in interpreting other people's work and so it's it's a it's a daunting thing for even the most professional of and the most seasoned of performers to to let all that go away and just present yourself as you on a stage for an hour it's it's uh I, I, naked is the best word i can use it's it's just revealing yourself and you have to have a lot of confidence and trust in yourself and the people around you to do that and so it's 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 not a simple thing i've seen lots of shows where people who have a name at least in the New York area for being in theater do a show, but it's basically 12 audition numbers and has very little cohesion, very little statement and very little variation. It's just every note that they can sing. They sing in every song for 12 songs. And well, that's it's, but it's more like watching gymnastics than, than being moved by an artist.
0: It's compelling what you're, what you mentioned. I'm thinking of someone perhaps like, um, uh, like a Judy Collins, right? Or a Bette Midler, yes. people that everybody would know their names. Yes. They, I would imagine, have it for the cabaret stage.
4: Absolutely. I mean, Bette started that way. I mean, simultaneously, she was doing that as she was starting on Broadway. So, yes, yeah, she, she embraced both incredibly well. And Judy Collins can certainly be intimate or be in a concert hall. She's because she's everything she does is touched with her intellect her emotions her her desire to have a message for the world she's she's a personal favorite of mine as well
0: and and you you have experienced uh through friendships and just from going to clubs people such as uh sarah vaughn and and uh uh, Carmen McRae, and I'm sure yes. the list goes on. Are, would, would you say they're also uh, on, in that sort of context? They, you could categorize what they do on occasion as, as, as cabaret?
4: Uh, it's, in the broadest sense, yes, because there's a personal connection to the music. Uh, but in, a, in the jazz world, it's slightly different. I think probably the most cabaret-like of jazz singers was Carmen McRae because she was a great storyteller and a great actress. And the lyric was first and foremost, although with Sarah and other people, it it certainly was important. But the overriding impulse, I think, was musical for most jazz singers, as opposed to lyrical. And in Cabaret, it's like the the voice, once you have a certain control of pitch, is the least important part of the performance.
0: Ah, So. so it's the lyrical
4: the lyric and the storytelling and the revealing of yourself and whatever message you have to convey. And it allows the audience to live through your performance, their own lives, as opposed to witnessing the artistry of someone who is a virtuoso.
0: Who uh, can you recall that has uh, knocked your socks off in, in, in that, in that regard?
4: In, in the virtuoso regard? Or the no, cabaret, regard? Cabaret, the cabaret, regard? cabaret regard. Oh, well, they are, there are many, uh, Bette was certainly one who started that way. Um, th- there's a wonderful singer named Karen Mason. I'm not sure if you know who she is. She's kind of a, a, a star in New York, but hasn't, uh, become a, a household name, even though her talent would, would warrant her to be one. She's, she's, uh, she bridge the other way she started in cabaret and then went on to do, uh, she was the standby for, uh, Norma in sunset Boulevard and did, uh, Uh, Priscilla Queen of the, uh, not Priscilla Queen of the Desert, uh, the uh, the Mamma Mia musical, um, uh, uh, the ABBA
0: musical. Yeah, ABBA, yep.
4: Yeah, she was in that and other things, and she's great. I first saw her in the original production of of, uh, Torch Song Trilogy on Broadway. It was a long three-hour evening and three acts, and between acts there was a torch singer literally above the stage with a piano who would sing torch songs and Karen was that on the Broadway in the first production with Harvey Farstein.
0: torch songs.
4: So so she brought cabaret to Broadway in that particular production because she would do cabaret versions of torch songs in the middle of the app changes on torch song trilogy because they wanted to underscore the title of the show. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a uh, nice, that's a nice idea.
4: Yes. But I mean, ultimately one of the, uh, most influential to everyone from, from Sinatra down through every singer since was Mabel Mercer who literally had no voice particularly and never made it as a recording artist because if you didn't see her, you would not know what the magic was, but the minute you were in her presence and she wove her spell of, uh, storytelling, it, it was magical and she would, uh, she could take any song and tear your heart out with it. She was a brilliant performer.
0: And was she mid 20th mid 20th century?
4: Yes. Yeah. Uh, more recently, Helen Belvisari, who I work with a lot is one of the most brilliant performers in New York Cabaret ever. Um, incredibly funny, incredibly moving has the, 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 the old adage of the clown who could make tears come to your eyes when she turns off the comedy and goes to the drama. And, uh, so she's always been a special person to me. Uh, Darius de Haas, again, who I've worked with, has a Sarah Vaughan-like instrument, but uses it in, in a, a controlled cabaret atmosphere more than in a jazz atmosphere.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for, um, for all that. So, yeah. so
4: anyway, those, those are people who jumped to mind for me, but there you know a hundred others as well.
0: And you mentioned Sinatra. Would you say he has some cabaret in him?
4: I think all the good concert artists do, although performing at Madison square garden is certainly different than performing at Pangea or don't tell mama it's, um, but it's a matter of, of conviction and, and uh, investment in the lyric. And I think all the great concert singers have that. Uh, he became a character of himself somewhat though. So he kind of went too far in the other direction. So he's not, Always one of my favorites. Although when he's at his best, he's amazing.
0: Hmm. And you know, let's talk a bit again. Let's go back to the pandemic and look at the value yes. of the clubs in New York City to the artists and to to the community, um, and how the the politicians, namely Cuomo and uh, and uh, De Blasio, how they're uh, handling and and taking into consideration. Uh, what the clubs are going through during the pandemic?
4: I actually don't think they are really. I think they're lumping it together with restaurants. I don't think they're taking the artistic side of it into their consideration at all. And I think they should because it's something that's that's uh, specific to New York in particular. Although you know, L. A. has some, and Chicago has some, but cabaret is part of the definition of New York. It's a cl- it, you can walk down the street and go into a club and see a singer who you might in 10 years, see win a Tony or an Emmy or an Oscar working their craft and learning it. And the disappearance of those places is going to mean the disappearance of the legacy of the performance. So not only will people not be able to practice their craft, but they won't be able to inspire younger and different people to pursue it as well, having seen them. So it's, it's got a ripple effect. That's not going to be, Conducive to New York returning to its great glory of the past after this pandemic is over.
0: That's uh, that's that's very concerning to hear. You know, I mean, to me yes. as it is to millions of people, New York is is uh, so important in that regard. You know. Yes. Uh, and and you're you're genuinely I mean, concerned.
4: Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, it's, you know, cabaret i mean entertainment in particular artistic temper entertainment is a, is a frail fragile entity to begin with without the imposition of the pandemic and club closings and not having being able to perform live for an audience it's just
5: it, it's never
4: happened before so it, it's, it's, it's an unknown territory, but it's scary because of that. It's, 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 There's uh, no guarantee that anything is going to come back as it was.
0: It's fragile uh, because of, of economics, because of uh, um, the... Changing
4: f- ch- economics, changing moods, changing uh, music, changing audiences, changing uh, perceptions of what's good and what's not.
0: could just get lost. It could just get lost. Uh, it just get lost. Yes. It's that ephemeral. Yeah, I
4: could see that happen. I know a few people who are uh, particularly piano players, musical directors who love working in cabaret and theater, but they're concentrating on classical music because that has proven over centuries to be a lasting investment, for lack of a better word, so that they'll always be working in the the classical field, in the concert field. And so they're generally staying with that at the moment and, and rehearsing great classical pieces rather than working with singers and arrangements and writing their own material. So it's, it's going to have a chilling effect for quite a while, if not permanently, I think. Yeah. And at the same time, it's an interesting challenge to see how things will rise up in answer to that, because that's always been the case as well, whether political or social or cultural arts have always responded to what's going on around them. So,
0: right. I, I
4: yeah, you know, so there's, there's both sides of it, but it's, ne- there's never been, uh, for lack of a better word, an attack on the whole system of performance in New York as there is with this pandemic.
0: And and where does that reaction response come from, would you say, more more so? Does it come from the seasoned, uh, or does it come from the, the nubile artists?
4: Uh, seasoned artists are probably more affected because they see something that's inherently part of their being, not being allowed to flourish whereas a a new performer might take it in stride and think about doing a virtual performance without an audience and think it's perfectly fine because they've done it on their cell phone for their friends for a few years now but it's and a performance without an audience is an odd duck that I haven't quite wrapped my head around I've seen a few things and reviewed a few things that have worked but for the most part they haven't because that lack of energy and that that emptiness of space around the performer is not a is not an entertaining thing for me to witness, and so I've I've had to re- rethink my thoughts on these things too.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's you know I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a, a gentleman who's you know a Broadway guy for lack of a better term and um, Mark Blankenship, and he was talking about how how important the audience is. To the whole experience, you know, it's the, it's, yes. the, it's the artists on stage, and of course the audience together in that in that experience, and you need both.
4: Yes, yeah. If a cabaret artist does a show in the woods, does it really happen? <laughs>
0: there you go, <laughs> a little a little Descartes.
3: Uh, Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. All right. Jerry Geddes on the program, taking us deep as usual, a regular contributor on Troubadours and Rock On Tours, director, writer, cabaret critic, and activist. Just finished recently a memoir. Uh, You want to talk with us a little bit about about? Yes. Um,
4: Actually, I think I'd I'd like to talk. Yes, I've written a memoir, and the the pandemic quarantine was what allowed me to finish it because... uh, it began in a very productive way of me having a lot of time to write. And then it ended in the same way. So I was able to finish it off quicker than I thought I was going to, but I've, I've I've dug deep into my days in New York from 60s. Well, the years are from 67 to 95 or what the body of the book is about. And, uh, but it's not a, an official biography or autobiography where I would say that on Wednesday, August 3rd at 8 PM, I did this. It's not that it's loosely, Uh, structured but chronological but I was uh, unemployed for I work in retail to pay the rent because I'm working in the arts and that doesn't pay the rent (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so I was unemployed for a bit and uh, an old friend of mine who I first person I met in New York when I moved to come to Columbia uh, lived down the hall from me at Carmen Hall on 114th Street and Broadway uh, was a is a theater owner was a theater owner in Rochester New York And he was quite active in both politics and theater in Rochester and owned a bookstore for quite a while, too, so he became a very recognizable figure in the community there. And he had been uh, supporting artists and and championing people to come and perform in the theater that he owned. And so knowing that I was unemployed and going through job searching and, and not necessarily finding something that I really wanted to do, he... I got a letter from him and I opened it and a check fell out and in the letter it said, I have given grants to performers in Rochester for years and years and years. I've known you since 1967. Uh, I am going to be your patron until you find a job and I'm going to send you a check every two weeks and I want you to just write.
3: (laughs) And it was like,
4: it was like going back to the 17th century (laughs) And having someone patron, a patron for me to allow me to start to write. And I hadn't even thought about writing a memoir. I've written a lot, but I hadn't written that. And he said he wanted to know what my life was like since we had parted company at Columbia. Because we talked about it, but he'd never gotten a real picture of it. So that was my impetus to start writing the book was that patronage, which was amazing. And he was, uh, you know, he helped me along the way. I gave him everything I wrote to read and his resp- his response and his suggestions were quite wonderful. And uh, I was very pleased to be able to get deep into it when I first started and then finally finishing it this year.
0: And uh, it must have conjured it, up it, it, some great stuff and maybe some, uh, you know, troubling things too.
4: It did. I've had a few writers actually uh, complain to me that it, quite angrily that they resented the fact that i remembered all this without keeping journals whereas they have to have a journal so they know what they did last thursday (laughs) and i (laughs) but one memory sparked another and i i knew where i wanted the book to end and i knew where i wanted it to begin but the middle i just let happen on its own organically and uh it actually ended the final page of the book was what i imagined when i first sat down and wrote the first page of the book so i was pleased that it that journey led me to where i wanted to go but i Took a lot of detours that I wasn't aware I was going to when I started.
0: That's usually the way it uh, it happens, from what I understand. Yes, and yes. and that'll be available sh- soon. Well,
4: I'm hoping I'm I'm looking for an agent now. I, I want it to be a real book and not that
0: uh,
4: vanity pay Amazon to print my book kind of thing. Although it may end up that way, who knows? But uh, I'm very pleased with it, and I I think it's worthy of more than that. So I'm I've I've debuted parts of it on stage as, as spoken word pieces in the Pangea show that I host and, and direct. And the response has been fantastic from people that I don't know, which is always good because, you know, someone who knows me is going to respond differently than someone who doesn't. But uh, they've been very effective, and so I'm I'm pleased at that, and that gives me hope about the future of the book.
0: Excellent. Well, I wish you the best, and keep us posted on that one it's ready Thank for, uh, for public yes, consumption. It's, um, yes,
4: it's called Didn't I Ever... Tell you
0: this. Didn't I ever tell you this? Uh, nice title. Yes. Nice title. And uh, you you uh, maybe this story is in the book the, the one that you said you were going to share rego- last time we spoke uh, about uh Carmen McRae. Oh
4: so we, we yes we focused on Sarah the last time and Carmen I said I would tell you a story. Actually I think you I think you might have posted something about Carmen online and I, I responded by saying I have a story to tell you the next time we speak. That's right. And that's that's what happened. But uh, yes, it was about my first time seeing her after being a fan for a long time. Uh, I was with uh, I was with my partner at the time who is no longer with us. But uh, I call him partner because when we were together, there was no marriage allowed. And so I couldn't say husband. I couldn't say spouse and uh, boyfriend and lover and all those words seem too. Too much to use, so partner became our word to refer to each other. But anyway, we went to her opening of the reopening of the Copa, uh, the uh, Cotton Club in Harlem. And uh, so the two of us showed up for the late show on opening night. And when we got there, the first show had just lit out, and the, the outside was filled with people milling around, having had a wonderful time at the first show. So we were thrilled that we were going to get to see the second. As it, if people departed, it reduced to one other couple and my partner and me and so we went to the maitre d and he sat us and we, we we had all heard we were all fans and we had all heard that she could be very for lack of a better term bitchy or picky on stage about situations and she didn't hide her just dis, displeasure well
3: <laughs>
4: when it happened and so we were concerned that she would come out and see there were only four people and decide well this is going to be a 20 minute set and then i'll say goodnight and leave but Uh, She came out and sang her first number, which was called uh, I Have a Feeling I've Been Here Before, which was from her album that was current at the time. And as it began, we applauded with recognition and she got a smile on her face and finished and we applauded resoundingly. And then she started the second number from the new album and we applauded again. And she turned to her musicians and she said, these cats know what's going on. And so (laughs) she looked at us, smiled and then continued to do her set, which was about an hour. And then she came back, which we thought for an encore. But when she came back, she dismissed the band and she turned to us and said, since we're just an intimate crowd here tonight, I'm going to just play for you a while. And she sat at the piano and played for us for 40 minutes, singing songs and talking to us. And it was like meeting her and the intimacy of it made it such a special night that I'll never forget it. It was just an amazing evening. And she couldn't have been more gracious or generous with her time and her talent.
0: And and was she uh, was she she uh, she uh, continued? Was she on that night too? Would you say was she was she excellent?
4: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes. She settled in, and it, it was. I think being such a small crowd, I think the night was for her. I think she she had the feeling that she was just singing for the joy of doing it, without worrying about an audience, because we were obviously in her corner to begin with. And uh, she she performed in New York, but not as regularly as as others. She, I think she was, did a lot of West Coast gigs, much more than East Coast. But the other night I saw her that I remember was a, an AIDS benefit early on, and uh a, a club on 57th street and for the evening because she knew it was an AIDS benefit she learned a couple of peter allen songs and sang them just that night never recorded them never sang them again but there was there were beautiful numbers there was one called two boys which is his his song about two brothers one of whom is gay and one who's, who's straight growing up together and uh she just tore the place apart people were wiping their eyes and cheering at the end of the song she was she was quite
0: something. How many years later know. was that from the first time?
4: Uh, uh, five or six years later.
0: Five or six years later. And and your partner, what what, uh, what was his name? Frank. 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 Frank I think.
4: Catholic was
0: his name. Thank you for sharing that yeah. story, that wonderful night that you yeah. and Frank had.
4: Yes. Yes.
0: That's a great yeah, memory.
4: It was a very special night.
0: Yeah. And um, the book... Is, and now we,
4: now we have no special nights.
0: No, no, unless you want to go online <laughs> or something or watch, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the book has a lot of stories, I'm sure, that uh, are as compelling. Uh, and I look well, forward to
4: it's, it. It's, it's, it's for, well, I came to Columbia at, at the time of the takeover of the buildings and the SDS and the anti-war movement and all of that. So it begins with that. And then goes, from Columbia, I went to Joe's, Joe Papp's Public Theater to work. So I, there's a lot of theater, a lot of name-dropping in those particular chapters because I worked with James O Jones and Fred Gwynn and Gloria Foster and a number of other major, major people. That was quite thrilling. And then as that progressed was also the sexual revolution, the gay revolution and the AIDS epidemic and uh, any political movement in the 60s and 70s you can imagine. So it's my personal take on those which is slightly askew from what has been written in other books that I've seen and I kind of wanted to write the uh, not the wrong but the uh, misconceptions that other books might have had about what it was like on the street in those days on
0: all levels what and was it like well, what's, the, what's the misconception well
4: well, the, there's a particularly about the AIDS, the AIDS epidemic it, it never personalizes particularly when people write about the epidemic it never it, it's always facts and figures and numbers and uh, certainly the the horrors of the disease but never the day-to-day life of actually living with it and surviving with it or not surviving with it and uh, on, a, on a much to, to get off of a heavy note and go to a lighter note there's one that the people who have read a few people have read the book already and there's one particular musical moment that stands out that no one has that I know of has ever written about that I experienced. Uh, I was, I came, I was in New Hampshire where I come from working on a work study program, but I came back to New York in the midst of my Columbia days to go to Woodstock and I met three friends and we got a car and we were driving to Woodstock, but the, the highway seemed like, uh, A parking lot we could it wouldn't move. I mean, the police were there and they were saying, turn around and go back. You're never going to get to Woodstock. You're never going to see this because you could not get close to the town, let alone, let alone the field where it happened. So we turned around reluctantly, sadly, and we're driving back and helicopters were flying around and someone with a megaphone that flew low and it was a megaphone. And they were saying, go to the World's Fair site in Queens. We're going to helicopter performers from Woodstock to the World's Fair site in Queens and have them perform for you there. So a bunch of cars, a bunch of us, all, all went there, and there was a big crowd. And every so often, someone would come in on a helicopter and perform. And we just sat there the whole day and heard Odetta and Richie Havens and uh, Country Joe and a, a whole lot of people. Excellent. And it, never knew I've about never that. Heard, I've never heard anyone talk about it. And I don't know whether maybe mm. no one who wrote ever was there. But it, it was an amazing night and day. Uh, but it's it's one of the the secrets of new york <laughs> and and if 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 I, I you know i was there so that's how i know about it but no one has ever mentioned it to me no one is i don't know anyone who's ever talked about it except my friends who were in the car with me that day that's it
0: <laughs> that's a
4: wonderful. And we were not doing drugs so it was not a mass hallucination <laughs> <laughs>
0: and were there a lot of people there
4: uh, yes, it was packed because everyone who was stuck on the highway who knew about the World's Fairground in Queens went there.
0: So it was kind of like so a it was little a huge sub crowd. It was yeah. like a
4: big outdoor concert. It was a sub Woodstock. Yeah, yeah
0: sub Woodstock, exactly. Yeah. Well, Jerry, again, time has passed uh, to the point where we <laughs> have to say until next time.
4: Okay, uh, go, it goes by faster and faster every time.
0: It does. I, I mean, yeah. and, and you have the fundraiser. Uh, if people want to find out more about the fundraiser, oh, that's right. Thank Pangea. you.
4: For, thank you for reminding me. Yes, yes, I'm doing our show. Fabulous First Fridays is fabulous First Fundraiser, and we're going to do a virtual uh, performance. I have uh, people learning their material now. We're going to rehearse with quarantine and distancing in mind. And then go to one at a time to Pangea and tape them and then string it together and I'm going to host it and, and do a little talking in between. And uh, so I will let you know and post everywhere that, uh, when it's going to happen. It's not we haven't set a date yet, but it will be for it'll be up for a while once it's debuted. And, and-, and it's hopefully going to uh, uh, raise some money for them because they, they and other clubs are in desperate need of that.
0: Yeah, Pangea is a, is a, one of the, one of yeah. several great clubs for artists in in New York City and Manhattan. And uh, yes,
4: it's it's definitely a home for many many downtown artists. Yes.
0: Well, Jerry, thank you so much for giving us insight, telling us some great stories, and sharing uh, you know a lot of uh, great uh, I, I think ways to to think about how we we exist here on this planet. You know, nice. It's nice talking with you always.
4: Thanks. Always good to talk to you as well. Uh, once this is all over, we'll have to get together and actually go to Pangea for dinner or something and hang out because I look forward we've to developed it. this friendship over, over, over distance and time. And I feel that already. So I, I look forward to seeing you in real life as well.
0: It's guaranteed it's going to happen for sure. Okay. I can't Good. wait. Thank you for saying all right,
4: that. So be safe and be well.
0: You too, sir. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm Pulling Through.
2: Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Go ahead.
6: Go ahead. I'm
2: pulling through,
6: and it's because of you. When I was stranded, came your helping hand. Lonely hurt, I had not known which way to turn. Till you said that's bad, not tears, just laugh and learn. I'm pulling through and it's because of you. You made me see how lovely life could be. You lifted up my heart and made me count the cost. To find I gained, not lost When I thought that hope was really gone You showed me I was wrong Then you taught me how to carry on Thanks for the lift in time And thanks for the song I'm pulling through And it's because of you I'd do the same for you If your turn came I hope it never will Cause I've been through the mill I won't forget this debt. I'm pulling through. I'm pulling through.
5: Five Jazz Poems. God Pity Me Whom. God Distinctly Has. E. E. Cummings. God Pity Me Whom. God distinctly has the weightless, svelte, drifting sexual feather of your shell. I say, body follows truly through a dribbling moan of jazz, whose arched, occasional stepped youth swallows curvingly the keenness of my hips. Or your first twitch of crisp boy flesh dips my height in a firm, fragile, stinging weather, breathless with sharp, necessary lips, kid-female cracksman of the nifty, ruffian rogue, laughing body with wise breasts half-grown, lisping flesh quick to thread the faddish drone of I-want-a-doll, doll wish agile feet with slid steps Parting the tussle of saxophonic brogue. The Poet by Freddington For John Hendricks The wordsmith paints a picture, A kind of bebop exchange, Rambling around the neighborhood, Conversing apropos, Curbside to parkside, Phrasing with style, All the way uptown, to the forest of words, dense and eloquent, connected to the sky, a canvas on which to portray the presence, the humor, the hustle and the warmth, the wide open window the jazz blows through. The Elegant Hostess by Freddington for Carmen McRae. As a matter of fact, She sings. It's a casual sort of excellence. Like a breezy sun shower. Like light prismed and colorful. On occasion, scatting wise. With a smile that knows the blues. Her jazz is an evening in summer. Warm and quiet under the porch light. The night sky brings the stars in close. It's dark. But you can see for miles. Listening to Jazz Now by Jimmy Santiago Baca. Listening to jazz now, I'm happy, sun shining outside like it was my lifetime achievement award. I'm happy with my friend and her dog up in Durango, her emailing me this morning, no coonhound ailing yowls, vibrant I love yous. I'm happy. My smile, a big monarch butterfly, after having juiced up some carrots, garlic, seaweed, I stroll the riverbank, lazy as a deep cello in a basement bar. Smoke, cagneyed out patrons, caramel and chocolate women in black, shoulder strap satin dresses, and red high heels. Jazz on a summer night. By David Lassard. Jazz on a summer's night, swinging sounds of joy, the moon bouncing in its flight. Satin doll, what's new? What is this thing called love? Wailing in the blue. The bossa nova beat, the soft, enchanting mood, people dancing in the park, everybody gay, nobody rude. Ah, such lovely notes of music, falling on the ear, the young, the in-between, the old, all that noise that's sweet to hear. Long live jazz, and may the beat go on, blues and pop and classic too, get out and shake your fanny, waltz, cha-cha, and dipsy-doo.
1: Forever and the day So long, so long Love will not die We're together forever We'll keep it that way Forever Up among the stars we'll find A harmony of light To a lovely tune East of the sun And west of the moon On a June night Kiss me and hold tight East of the sun and west of the moon. Well, all right
3: then. Take them. Bunny!
0: The umbrella does not seem to work so well when opened within snow and ice and wind as you say farewell yet closed and wrapped tight using a velcro slim strap the umbrella is quite effective to tap out a tune in the middle of june whilst a warm spring breeze sneaks through a hillside of trees, as flowers yellow and purple bask in a sweet, slow and steady shower of rain. And you think through your pain in vain, perhaps today into the river you might throw away the flask.
7: The rains to come and the creek to flood It's just about time that I said to you The things I'm busting to do On the first warm day On the first warm day in May Won't you come a-callin' And bring me a sweet bouquet On the first warm night When the moon is shining bright it would be enthralling if you'd hug me with all your might. I rehearse the way. I lead you to the cherry tree where you can say, Darling, marry me, oh, Mary, marry me on the first warm day, on the first warm day in May. And we show the birds and bees a thing or two. Oh, they find out what it's all about when they see how I love you on the first warm day, on the first warm day in May
0: And there you have it episode 409 of Troubadours and Raconteurs with yours truly E.W. Conundrum Demure I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Jerry Geddes, our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavese, these wonderful poets, E.E. Cummings, Freddington, Jimmy Santiago Baca, David Lasard, and these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Kevin Morby, Karen Mason, Carmen McRae, Frank Sinatra, Mabel Mercer, Bradford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And of course, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.
7: to bud the rains to come and the creek to flood it's just about time that I...